Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Red Cup Auburn Podcast. My name is Noble. And as always, I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about Auburn basketball as the season is rapidly coming to a close. And we're also going to give just kind of a brief overview of the 2021 recruiting class and just kind of give some insight on how Harson's done in his first couple months at Auburn. But so first, let's talk about the Auburn versus Tennessee game that happened yesterday. Wheeler, what were your initial thoughts during, before, after that game? Um, well, my initial thought is how crazy this team is that they can literally go out and get absolutely beat like a drum uh, in two consecutive showings um, and look like, I mean, a team that you could loosely call a division one basketball team. Mm -hmm. Um, They were, I mean, the earlier games, they were horrible. Um, Obviously uh, on Tuesday, I think it was when they played Florida, they didn't have Sharif Cooper and, you know, not having Sharif Cooper is definitely going to be, a major blow, um, no matter who your team is. I mean, there will be NBA teams probably in the next couple of years that will see a significant drop-off when they don't have Sharif on the floor. Um, so that kind of explained the Tuesday game. Um, but I was honestly shocked to see uh, Auburn win uh, this game. It was really impressive to me. Um, I don't know if it was, you know, they lacked motivation in the other two games um, as we're kind of getting towards the end of the season and, Guys, you know, are getting a little fatigued. Um, You know, it's tough to play when you're not going to go to the SEC tournament. You have no chance of going to the NIT or the NCAA tournament um, to stay motivated through all the games, especially if you get down, you know, kind of early. But I think, you know, Tennessee, uh, Bruce has their number. And uh, so this was six in a row and really impressive to see um, a win. I thought Alan Flanagan had a great game. he almost reminds me now of a slower developing Chuma Okiki. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him leaving Auburn, not this year, but I could see after next year, I could see him not being a four-year guy and potentially leaving after his third year. Um, because if he makes a jump similar to the one that he made between last year and this year, um, he's definitely going to be a solid NBA prospect. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. I think that I think that Alan Flanagan, when Sharif is not playing, I think he's the best player on the team. And I think that, honestly, even when Justin Powell was playing, like, you know, he had that that stretch where he was playing out of his mind, averaging like 24 points a game. But the last two or three games that he was that he played in before his injury, he was kind of slowing down, and it was almost like teams were doubling him, and he was kind of trying to figure that out. And he didn't really have the luxury of having the time to figure that out because he ended up getting concussed and has missed the whole season. But toward the end of that, it felt like Allen was the best player on the team. And then when Sharif comes in, you know, JT 
starts playing really well, and it looks like JT at some points is the best guy there. But, you know, against Tennessee, it looked again like Allen was in control. He was the best guy there. And it was good to see, you know, it was kind of like he was getting that confidence back. And it's almost like when Sharif came back, everyone got a confidence boost except for Allen. Because it was like Allen was already playing with confidence. And I almost feel like when he was having to switch positions again and kind of go back to the position he was supposed to be playing, it kind of kind of rattled him and he was a little just a just a step behind uh, everyone else just because he had to switch positions. But I think that, you know, as Sharif is gone, I think that Allen is kind of back in that, you know, the the alpha role and he is like, I'm I'm here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna score, I'm gonna win us this game. So I definitely think that was good of Allen, good to see of Allen. And I would just really like to see that Allen play alongside Sharif, you know? Yeah. I think that would definitely be beneficial. Um, I think another player that was really crucial yesterday was Jamal Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, he really stepped up. And I feel like even, I mean, really in the Vanderbilt game, he's, I mean, he's the reason Auburn won the Vanderbilt game. Um, he's probably one of the reasons Auburn was able to win yesterday. And that's something that I didn't think I would say a year ago. You know, mm-hmm. a year yeah. ago, Auburn goes up and knocks off Tennessee in the final game of the regular season. And at no point in that game did I think, that Jamal Johnson would be the reason that Auburn won some basketball games the next year. Yeah. Um, and I will say he he started off the season obviously better than he was, but really as the season's gone on, he's really stepped it up. Um, and I know, you know, that Auburn fans always talk about how good we're going to be next year, but I mean, really, you're going to be able to combine some really talented individuals coming in, you know, Jabari Smith coming in, McDonald's All-American, with these guys who have been in the program for a few years and are going to be veterans, they're not going to be shaken when they go on the road and they're playing in an SEC environment. And I mean, it's it's the way to win in college basketball right now mm-hmm. is to have the young talent so that you're able, you know, to compete with the teams like Duke, North Carolina, you know, all your blue bloods, but also having those guys that have been in your program for a while um, and aren't going to be shaken. They're going to make sure, you know, uh, that the other guys are working hard and they're going to be used to the grind of playing, you know, a season this long because a lot of these high school players, um, you know, an AAU season is not as long as a college basketball season. A high school season is not as rigorous as a college basketball season. It's not as physical, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So having those guys that can kind of set the tone physically, I think, even in the preseason and setting the standard for the guys that are talented will be really important. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, kind of going back to what you said, you look at Auburn's Final Four team, the starting lineup, it was Jared Harper, who was a junior. You had Bryce Brown, who was a senior. You had Malik Dunbar slash Samir Dowdy. They kind of both started at the three throughout the season. Both were upperclassmen. Then you look at Chuma, who was the only sophomore, and then Anthony, who was a junior at that time. So it's like you kind of look at that and it's like everyone was a veteran, but then you had Chuma who was kind of toward the end of the season the guy because he was just the most talented guy there. And I think that that can kind of be next year if, you know, you'll look, you'll have an Alan Flanagan who will be a junior. You'll have a Devin Cambridge who has been there a while. Jalen Williams has been there a while. JT who's being the second year. And it's just a lot of guys that will just be there. And I think that Jamal will be a really, a really important piece of that team, even if he – he, he played 30, 31 minutes against Tennessee. I don't see many scenarios next season 
where Jamal will play 31 minutes against a ranked team. Just with how the roster is shaping up, I, I don't think he'll be in that role per, per se. But I do think that his experience with – he's been in the locker room a lot. And a lot of people forget he was on the Final Four team. He, he, was, yep. he was having to sit out the year, but he was still around all those guys. And he saw how that team carried themselves and what, what it took – that team to get to the final four. And I think that that experience is going to be invaluable uh, to next year's team. But another thing that really, that I really liked was if you had told me last year that Jamal Johnson would play 31 minutes in a basketball game, a lot of that, half of that being at the point guard position and he would only turn the ball over once, I would say you're insane. And I think that speaks to one, you know, he, he's been working in the all season, but two, that's just Bruce Pearl. I mean, I think that Bruce has just proved time and time again how insane of a coach he is. And I just don't, we just, we are very lucky to have that man. Yeah. So, my question to you about basketball is do you think if, so a lot of people are unsure of Sharif Leaf. Um, typically, the people that are unsure are big time Auburn homers, such as myself. However, Jimmy Dykes, who I know you're not necessarily as high on as I am, said in the broadcast that if Sharif is not a lottery pick, that he should probably not go to the NBA solely because of his size and the fact that if you're not – well, I think he said first round, not lottery. If you're not a first round pick in the NBA, you're more or less expendable. You know, it's not like the NFL where a second round pick, they're just as committed to you basically as a first round pick. Yeah. Um, second round pick, they'll put it on a two way contract and being as small as he is, you know, he kind of you don't want to mess around with that because you don't want to find out you get to the league and, you know, you get bodied in preseason camp and they're like, OK, we're not sure about this. And you get stuck in a two way contract. If Sharif stays, obviously, we probably wouldn't need to find another point guard. If Sharif leaves, do you think that Auburn looks in the transfer portal for a new point guard, or maybe from the junior college level, since, you know, we lost Tyrell Jones. Um, Alan Flanagan has been able to work in the point guard role, I feel like, but that's not necessarily the position you want the guy to be in, you know, if you're trying to make a run in the NCAA tournament. He's serviceable. He can win you some games, but also nobody's watching Alan Flanagan and saying, great point guard you know I mean he's Uh he's gonna go better at another position and so you want to utilize your talent in the best positions um what do you think about the point guard situation uh so first of all I think that I personally think that Sharif will will leave that is my a lot of the mock drafts I've been seeing recently have him you know right right at that top 10 or right outside and I think that personally I think that that's I think that, that that's a thing where you got to declare. And it's not necessarily because of a money thing cuz he's not he doesn't really need he doesn't really need the money, but it's just like with a guy like him with a suspect shot and that's really what's hurting his draft stock. I think that his size is a it's a question mark, but at the same time I don't think that teams are as worried about his size because of how basketball is now with the amount of ticky-tack calls that are you know, given you look at guys like Trey Young, uh, even Jared Harper in the G League, he's been, you know, he's been going off. And it's just like you look at the size and it's just like the size really doesn't matter as much in today's NBA as it did even 10, 15 years ago. So personally, I think I think he'll declare. I think he'd be ridiculous not to declare if you're going to be a lottery pick. I think that that's just 
that's crazy because if you get injured, it's just going to hurt your stock. You go down to a second round pick. I, I don't think that's a great, great idea to just stay when you have a first round grade. Uh, I agree with that. However, I am looking on uh, 24-7 sports. Um, they did a, you know, 24-7 and CBS or they merged together. Yeah. Um, and so their most recent mock draft has uh, Sharif going to the uh, Golden State Warriors, but not until pick number 19, which would be the second to last pick. Um, not second to last pick, sorry, but definitely outside of the lottery. Um, And I think that, yeah, what you said, like his shot is concerning to people because if you're under six feet and you actually can't make the basket, you know, I I think the way his shot looks too, it's not – so like Isaac Okoro is a prime example of this last year. His shot had good arc on it. His shot – you know, his form looked good. The ball – It looked perfect, yeah. It looked perfect. And you were like, okay, it's going to be a super minor adjustment, maybe even just a confidence thing, and that can be worked out. Lottery pick, Sharif. I mean, to be completely honest, his shot form is not exactly what you want to see, um, especially the arc on the ball. And I mean, I'm one to talk. I'm I have a terrible arc on my ball, but I'm also not being considered for the NBA. I mean, the guy has a little bit of a flat arc, which means that one, if you it's easier to get blocked Two, it's tough to get a rebound off of one of those because it doesn't, you know, bounce up like you want it to so that your offense can crash the boards. I just, when I first saw Sharif play, I thought he was a slam dunk to be a lottery pick to leave Auburn. Now that I'm kind of watching his shot and, you know, he's starting to slide in these draft boards. And if he doesn't come back and play the rest of the season, he may slide even a little bit more. Um, as the NCAA tournament's happening and, you know, people start becoming breakout stars. And it's like you said, it's not for the money, obviously. I mean, his family is set. And that's why I almost think that he would be one of those guys that would be able to stay at Auburn for an extra year because it's not like he's going and he has to make a bunch of money to, like, you know, provide for his family or provide for a fiancé or a wife. You know what I'm saying? And so I mm-hmm. could definitely see him coming back to Auburn for another year as his draft stock has started to slide. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that. And I do agree with the fact that his, you know, his, his shot form does can, does concern some people. Uh, but if he does leave, I do think it would be interesting. So Auburn's pretty much their biggest target in the 2022 class, Scoot Henderson, five-star, 14th overall, number three point guard in the country, I mean, that this is a guy that Auburn is really pursuing. And Auburn currently holds 100% of the crystal ball on 24-7 sports. Uh, so right now he's class of 2022, but there have been rumors that he is contemplating reclassifying. And I think a lot of that would depend on if he does come to Auburn, I think that if Sharif declares for the draft, I think he's going to reclassify and come to Auburn. So I think that if he, you know, if he comes to Auburn, I don't think that the point guard will be a super big concern. Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if we go for a point guard in the draft because we don't really have a point guard coming in. We've got Trey Alexander. He's a combo guard, but he plays more of the two than he plays the one. So I personally think that if Sharif does declare, I think that Scoot Henderson is going to be the ideal guy that we want to kind of replace him. But uh, that'll be something that we won't know for a little bit later. But I do agree with you. I, I think that his stock is going – I think that Sharif's stock is going to go down a little bit due to the fact that he won't be playing in the tournament. 
and other people will be. So it's like when they, when you look at, you know, if you're looking in that range, you're like, all right, well, you've got Sharif Cooper or this guy, so, you know, some random guy. Well, this guy went off in the NCAA tournament, you know, took his team to the elite eight. And then you look at Sharif and it's like, yeah, they had a postseason ban, but it's like they wouldn't have gone to the elite eight. So it's kind of like, I, I think that is going to be something that might hurt, that might hurt Sharif's st- uh, stock kind of going into the season. I think it'll be interesting as the season ends to kind of look at how things are kind of evening out and how all the players are ending up. And it really doesn't help him any that this is a really strong draft class. I mean, if Sharif was at Auburn last year, I mean, I, I think he'd be a lock for a top 10 pick because the NBA draft this, this past draft was not super strong. Uh, so I definitely think it'll be something to monitor. I agree. Um, it, he he almost reminds me um, risk-wise of Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons had the size. Mm-hmm. Um, and teams, you know, said, oh, well, we'll teach Ben Simmons how to shoot. And I just definitely think it's a risk um, when somebody's shot doesn't look good and they're already missing shots. And so that's why I'm really thinking. Because, ben, I mean, if Ben Simmons was under six feet, he's not the number one overall pick. Yeah. I mean, that's just the truth. It's the same situation. When Ben Simmons was at LSU, they didn't make the NCAA tournament, and he was the number one pick overall. Um, and, I mean, he's had a fine career. Like, he's a, he's a good NBA player, um, but I don't necessarily know that he's a guy that would go in a strong draft class, number one, or that the results he's gotten have been, you know, number one pick worthy. Yeah. But, I mean, this isn't an NBA podcast, so moving on. But yeah, so I do I do agree with that, and I think that'll be something that we'll have to uh, have to monitor. But you know, the next two games you've got Alabama and Mississippi State; those are going to be you know knockout dragouts. Alabama just won the SEC regular season; that's going to be a real tough game. But I mean, Bruce Bruce is I mean, he just got a team that just got waxed back to back games, and he had them play a ranked team, and they they came out and they played. Really, the best. I think that was the best game we've played without Sharif. Uh, so, uh, so he did that. So you never know. He might be able to. You know, they might have the same mentality going into Alabama, have a little bit more confidence. You never, you never know. Now, are you thinking that Justin Powell is done for the season? Uh, yes, because I am. Even though he's able to lift and put up shots now, I just don't see a reason to rush a guy back from a head injury to play in two games that literally mean nothing. I totally agree. I mean, it, it means literally nothing. And, yeah, I, I think it would be absolutely absurd to have him come back. Well, and Bruce season. even said – he. I mean, he, obviously he's trying to paint the bright side here. But he said, you know, after the Final Four run, you think the Final Four is like a month after the SEC tournament. So teams that get eliminated, you know, on first weekend of the NCAA tournament do have a three-week-long – you know, strength and conditioning time. And obviously you don't – you would rather not have three weeks of strength and conditioning and make the final four. But he was saying we had that happen, so we didn't have a full, you know, year of strength and conditioning. And then followed by that, we had COVID and we shut everything down to the point where we weren't in the facility practicing until this summer. Um, and so he was definitely excited. And I think that we're going to – it's going to be good for the guys um, – to be able to go and lift for all of this time. And that's one of the reasons you don't want Justin, um, you know, getting hurt again and being out for that extended time of lifting because he's another guy 
he kind of reminds me of Alan Flanagan last year, body wise, of solid basketball player um, and Chumo Kiki, who they're really solid on at playing basketball, but physically they're just not where you need to be to be an elite college basketball or NBA player. Um, mm-hmm. And so having those extra weeks to get your body right, I think will make big dividends, especially for Powell. I totally agree. I definitely think that Justin Powell is a really important piece of next year's team. And I think we need to keep him kind of, you know, I think we need to keep him safe until he is 100% back before we get him into anything. Uh, but that kind of, I think that kind of wraps up the, the basketball talk. We'll kind of move over to football right now after, you know, a lot of, a lot of different, a lot of different guys that we've, you know, signed some commitments Some guys have, there are a couple guys still on the, still on the board, but right now our national rank is 20. And I believe when Brian Harson was hired, it was at, you'll have to correct me on this if I'm wrong. I believe it was at 44, 47, so. something like that. So, he was in I mean, the 40s. yeah, so I mean, he's moved up, he's moved up a decent amount. And while, you know, if you, if you told us after last year's home run recruiting class that the next year we would finish 20th, I probably would say, well, that's kind of a disappointment. But I mean, I think that when firing your coach a couple days before national signing day and then hiring a new guy who comes in and still lands some of the guys that you wanted, I, I think that it's, I don't think he's done a bad job at all. So, Wheeler, what are, what are your kind of kind of thoughts about the 2021 recruiting class? No, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty sure that this is the case that transfers do not count um, towards your signing class grade or your signing class ranking. Is that I right? Believe, I believe that's true. Okay, that's what I thought because Auburn's been getting some you know transfers and it hasn't been pushing them up. Um, yeah, the thing is, is like obviously Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State are going to be top five every time. And Auburn wants to be a little bit higher than top 20. But if you're a top 15 recruiting class, um, you're going to be able to be competitive. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, as high as you can be is great. But where I mean, being at 20 and that being the down year is not going to put Auburn, you know, at a severe talent gap. And that's especially with the transfers that are coming in and something that's being overlooked with these transfers is they're not like, you know, Blake Countess who came in and was great for one year because of the COVID rules. These guys are having two, three years of eligibility. So that's like getting a really quality player who just leaves for the NFL early. I mean, having a guy eligible for two or three years is as much as you can really expect. I feel like, um, so that's really good that he's finding quality transfers too. Not, I mean, it's not only guys that are good at football, but it's guys that are going to be able to stay in the program for a while. Um, so it's not just a plug and play. And then, you know, after this year, we're right back where we were. We have no depth at this position. Because I felt like sometimes uh, Gus was getting transfers who they would fill the need for a year, but it's like there wasn't anything like done on the recruiting trail outside of that to like, the next year have any help, you know, mm-hmm. it just felt like it was a bandaid with no like backup plan other than the bandaid every year. I um, mean, we kind of saw that with the offensive line until it just all came crashing down. Um, that being said, uh, a lot of quality offensive linemen, I don't know why I don't seem to transfer. Um, I think it's probably because most guys that are quality offensive linemen are playing at their school. I don't think that there's a lot of, 
schools that have, you know, seven or eight guys that should really be starting. So the guys that, you know, are the backup, you know, the because you normally have five linemen, obviously. So your sixth or your seventh lineman, I mean, they probably know, like, yeah, this is about where I should be. You know, they're you don't, it's not like yeah. running back where you can have three five stars and it's like, well, I'm not getting my touches. Um, so offensive line is a tough place to get transfers. Um, I was impressed that he's been targeting some offensive linemen. And we have differing opinions on this. I am fine with getting a bunch of three stars and getting guys that just have really good tape. Um, I know fans want to see, you know, the five-star, the four-star, and, you know, compete for the recruiting championship. But Auburn didn't necessarily do that under Tommy Tuberville, and they won plenty of games. And the guys that were on the team on the national championship team, some of them were Gene Chizik's guys, but a lot of them, that senior class was the reason that, you know, they were pretty good, obviously Cam. But that mm-hmm. whole offensive line, the kick, it was a bunch of guys like what Harson's looking for who are, you know, grinders, guys who you watch on tape and you're like, you know, he may not run the fastest 40 at a camp. He may not have the fastest shuttle time. Um, he's not going to be at the Under Armour All-American game, but this dude balls, you know, when he's out on the football field, you watch him and you're like, okay, he's good at football. And I think that that gets overlooked a lot of times. Um, and not that Gus's recruits were all bad, but I felt like we had more busts at Auburn than typical teams did of our four and five star talent. And it was almost like he would go after guys just because they were a four or a five star and you would watch him on Friday night. And you're like, I'm not really sure what this, like, why is this guy a four or five star Joey Gatewood? He's not even the starter on his football team in high school, but he's a four star. And so it's like the reason that like Alabama and Clemson aren't trying to get this guy as hard as you are is because he couldn't beat out some dude at his high school. If you can't beat out some dude at your high school, you're probably not a Heisman Trophy caliber guy. You're probably not going to be leading a program to a national championship. Um, and I think a great example is that Auburn High School is at uh, Court Bradley, the outside linebacker uh, defensive end that Auburn got the commitment from this week. Powell Gordon. Powell Gordon. Who's yeah. Court Bradley is a – Signy, isn't he? Yes, he yes, but a different guy. Different guy. Okay, the Auburn High School guy is a prime example of this. He gets offered by Auburn when he's a zero star. Nobody really has ever heard of him. He has some offers from like Middle Tennessee State and Army, do you know, like smaller but like smart schools. Um, and then Auburn offers them. He all of a sudden gets three stars and everybody's on him and he gets, you know, 20 offers in a week. Um that's the Bruce Pearl model, too, that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how Auburn got Sharif Cooper. So if you go and you identify this talent and then everybody else sees it, you know, three weeks later or everybody else reacts like, oh, Auburn offered this guy. Maybe he's really good. They go watch his tape and they're like, yeah, that dude's a baller. Then they yeah. give him the stars. They give him the offers. I like having a coach that's out in front of that um, and is saying, you know what? Yeah, this guy. Uh, when you watch a football game, I went to the Auburn Central Phoenix City High School game, and he just goes and makes plays, you know. Every time the ball was run to his side of the field, he was making a tackle. He just shed blocks. He just made it happen, um, mm-hmm. and that's what you want to see. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I I definitely think that that is a uh, a strength that Harson has that Gus really never had. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier. You look at, you know, obviously Gus had some three-star guys that 
you know, ended up being really good. You know, Daniel Thomas was a guy that we talked about. Uh, a lot of people may not know this story, but we were going after uh, – oh, well, I keep forgetting his name. Who are we going after that we ended up going for Daniel Thomas instead? I think after it might he, have been Mackenzie Alexander yeah. from Clemson. Yeah, so it's like – so we, we had this – we had our guy. We had the guy that we wanted on signing day. We find out, all right, we're like, all right, we've got a spot open. So we offered Daniel Thomas on signing day. He was planning on signing with Minnesota, gets that offer from Auburn, signs with Auburn, and ends up being a really, really good player for Auburn and is now probably going to be the starting strong safety for the Jaguars next year. So it's like he ended up being a really good player, and he ended up being a really great guy to get. But we weren't all on him. Like from his junior year to his senior year to Auburn, like we were not on him. And that's something that Harson is going to do because that's what he's had to do. You know, you look at all these guys that Harson's been putting in. I mean, Kellen Moore, Leighton Vander Esch, Demarcus Lawrence, Doug Martin, Jay Ajayi, Antoine Madison, all those guys were all three stars. And they were all guys that Harson got in on before they were even a three star. They get to their three star, they go to Boise, end up having, you know, great NFL careers. And that's kind of what he's starting to do at Auburn. But he's also got Auburn and he can also get four stars. He can also get five stars. He's still going to be in the mix on those guys, but he's going to look more so for people that can play and less for the stars. Whereas, I mean, you look at Gus, I mean, like you you look at uh, like Zach Farrar and Nate Craig Myers, both those guys just entered the transfer portal again. Like Zach Farrar was a guy that came to Auburn. He's going to his, I think, sixth school in his college career. You got Nate Craig Myers, who was supposed to be, all world going to be a great receiver at Auburn. He's going to his third school. So it's just like, and there, there are tons more guys, you know, like Calvin Ashley, five-star. He never played. He played like one game at Auburn. And it was just like, we had so many guys and it was just like, they just get to Auburn and they don't do anything. They just don't get better or whatever. Like they don't end up playing to that, to the caliber that their high school rating indicated. So I definitely think that that is something that Harson will do a better job of. Uh, but another thing that I really like about this recruiting class that I think that you look at a lot of these guys that came that are, you know, following, you know, some recruits are following Gus to UCF. And it's just like they were guys that came to Auburn because of the coach and not because of the school. Whereas you look at the guys that we have now, they're, they're at Auburn because of Auburn University. Like Dylan Brooks, that, that, he went to Tennessee, got released from the letter of intent, and every coach that recruited him to come to Auburn University was gone. And he still comes to Auburn. You know, you look at a lot of these guys that, you know, stayed even though the whole staff changed. Like these are guys that don't care who's the coach. They want to play for Auburn, and they're going to be – Auburn players and not just football players that play under Gus Malzahn or their strength coach. So I definitely think that that is something that will be a, that I I definitely think that's something that I personally like about this specific record. That and the picking up of really quality walk-ons, like going to the signing class of UAB and seeing who's committed at UAB, who's a really quality group of five team and, you know, offering those guys as preferred walk-ons and actually getting them. I mean, Mm -hmm. How many guys did we see that were three-star talents that came to Auburn as walk-ons? You know, I mean, Gus, it seems like, didn't even try. Or, I mean, maybe he tried, but he didn't. He was never successful. Harson's already got a guy who's Mm -hmm. three stars was a group of five offer. He's going to be a starter at a group of five school. Uh, 
and he brings them in. Well, a lot of those guys end up in the NFL. You know, you have a lot of group of five guys that make it in the NFL who are a little bit undersized in high school. They get into a college weight program. You know, they grow an inch or two while they're in school, and they become really good football players. And so I think getting a really strong walk-on program is going to be another thing that Harson's able to do that pushes him over the top because it is, it's going to be really tough to out-recruit Alabama while Nick Saban's there. I almost want to say it's impossible. I mean – how do you compete with he puts you know everybody in the first round every single year you know he has five first round receivers that all get playing time and are all happy like at some point like it's not you're a bad recruiter but you're going up against a stacked deck I mean they go to the national championship game every other year every year they've been to the playoff every year except for one like you're not going to out recruit the guy star wise so you got to find creative ways to try and outmaneuver the guys that they didn't want and find the guys that are going to win you football games. Yeah, I totally agree. And you look at the NFL draft every year, like you go through all these guys and look at their high school ratings. You know, some of them were four and five stars, but a lot of them were three stars. Like you, you see guys that are just like not many people wanted them coming out of high school. They end up getting to college. They get really good. And some of them, they were good in college. They get signed by a practice squad and they end up doing really good in the NFL. So it's just, there are just some guys where it's just really difficult to tell how good they are, and that's just a lot of coaching things. So I think that recruiting is definitely an odd thing, and I definitely think that it's just going to be a kind of thing where it's we're kind of going into a new age of Auburn football. There's going to be a new – it's a new culture. It's a new way to approach how we're going to play the game. And time will tell how it works out, but – I'm I'm excited to see. I mean, this is this is going to be a different. You know, it's off the field. We're kind of starting to see how things are going to be different on the field. You know, it's going to be a different looking offense, different looking defense. It's going to be it's going to be different. And so I think that that's just something that we got to be ready for. And uh, at the same time, it's like all these people. You know, you wanted. I think that this is kind of what Auburn needed. Because it's just like doing what what we've been doing, it's just like I, I don't know if it was going to work, you know? It was just like if we hired a guy that was going to do everything that Gus did and it was just going to be the same thing. There were a lot of guys that we could have hired where it would have been the same thing as Gus, where people were going to complain every other week. They're going to have different things to say, whatever. I think that Harson is going to be a much different guy than all the other people that were on our our search a radar yeah i mean you can even see it in the videos that the football team's been posting i mean i've really enjoyed all of the all of the strength uh things that they've been posting but i mean they've been getting up and they've been getting after it early in the morning and harson's been down there working out with them i mean it, it's going to be a new hard-nosed brand of football i think for sure yep definitely so I'm excited about that. You know, we'll we'll be able to get a look at that, uh, you know, in the fall. So we got a little while to wait. But, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited about how Auburn's – both of Auburn's main sports teams will look in uh, in our next, next, next seasons. But uh, I think that's about it. So we will probably be back soon – either after the Iron Bowl of basketball or after the conclusion of Auburn's basketball season. Uh, by then, there will be a couple more baseball games under the belt. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth. Uh, 
but yeah, that's about it. So Wheeler, if you don't have anything else to add, uh, that's going to be it for this episode. Thank you and War Eagle. War Eagle.